I'm Adam Hergenrother and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality. This is a show for leaders and high achievers who've experienced success on the outside and still feel like something is missing in their life, who have made money and accomplished big goals, but then ask themselves, is this all there is? After all, business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. Need nothing and enjoy everything. This is Business Meets Spirituality. Today, I want to talk about uh, Warren Buffett, Um, obviously a household name for everybody. And more recently, I've been um, kind of diving into his literature and uh, following up on some of the documentaries he's done and his books. And uh, I have obviously heard a lot of the information before, like probably you have as well too, Um, but I heard it differently this time. And I was kind of looking for the the kind of clues that he has left or the ethos that he has in his life that necessarily isn't uh, spelled out as clearly as other things. And so I want to share those with you today and kind of bring those back into how I brought them in our world as well um, and kind of some conversations that we've been having around this. But um, if you, everyone knows how Warren Buffett has kind of his rule, which is number one, which is don't lose money. Number two, see rule number one. A lot of people know that, but there's this underlying kind of ethos, if you will, of Warren Buffett that other people, um, when they interviewed him, other people about Warren, talked about his consistency. And I think that's really, really powerful is that every day Warren Buffett basically did the exact same thing. He showed up, he left the house every day. He actually returned home for dinner, which is kind of surprising every single day. I mean, there's moments I'm sure that he hasn't, but routinely he showed up every single day back at home and ate dinner. He also had a very similar structure every single day where he literally read, which is actually amazing that he read eight to nine hours every day. And so when you think about that for a second, you hear eight to nine hours every day, you're thinking that he's reading different things. But what I really took away from that is he's reading eight to nine hours every day of essentially the same thing, which was cash flow statements, market capitalization, and companies. He's reading about their proformas, their expectations. He's literally reading the same information about each company almost every single day. And what he really goes on to understand is that he can then start matching patterns in businesses so that he knows when to invest into a good one. So the real, the number one thing that I took away from that was his consistency. And that consistency is very, very powerful. And it's also when I, when you break it down to a, another kind of sentence, if you will, consistency just really means mastering that boredom of success. And a lot of times when we use that language, people um, people naturally gravitate to that because it's like they show up every day and they want it to be something new. Well, how often do you see Tiger Woods, you know, playing uh, tennis? Right? It just doesn't. He literally started out at three years old swinging a golf club. People that are amazing at their craft or whatever sport, whether it's sport and business, whether it's golf or whether it's tennis or triathletes or you know chess, they don't. They keep their focus of the consistency every single day of what they need to be accomplishing. So when you think about this in your business, about what is it that you need to stay consistent with? Now, the second part of this goes to what, just like the question I asked, what do you actually need to be consistent for? And I think a lot of us don't stay consistent because we don't know where we need to actually stay consistent in. And so Warren Buffett has this really cool picture of Ted Williams on his, basically right outside his door. So as he walks in every day, he was, on the documentary, he kind of walks in and you can see this picture of Ted Williams. So he's reminded by it every single day that he walks in there, um, which I thought was really cool as a kind of a reminder of, you know, the, again, consistency. Walks in, sees it every single day that's there. And the picture is a reference to the science of baseball, if you will. And really the how Warren goes and talks about it is Ted Williams basically said, 
the most important thing that I can do is to wait for the right pitch. And he, what, he, what Ted Williams did is he broke down the strike zone. So if you're familiar with baseball, there's a strike zone. So if the pitcher throws it and you don't swing, then you get called strike. If it's outside the strike zone, it's a ball, right? So he broke down the strike zone into 77 individual circles, which is the size of a baseball. And what he realized over time by tracking his numbers was that there was a core competency zone, right? Where if he swung in a particular area in the strike zone, he batted 400, right? And if he swung in the zone right outside that, maybe he batted 200. Or if he swung low left, he batted 50, right? Or high right, he batted 75. And he actually had him in color. So the warmer, the core competency, if you will, was darker red and they became blue as they kind of filtered out into the other parts of the strike zone. So what this did was it gave Ted Williams, who batted, you know, 400, um, which is amazing, right? Uh, a, A core competency zone to where he needs to swing at the balls to have the highest probability of understanding what the outcome is going to be. And so if you kind of think about your core competency is that you want to have it so that, sure, is it, you know that it's going to happen every single time? Probably not. But you know what the highest probability, if you swing at this core competency zone or you invest into this core competency zone or you're putting your time and energy into this, that you should have a very high degree of probability of what the outcome is going to be. Um, and so that's really what it is. The problem in, in here, so here's the other thing. When you have a circle, the reason why you have a core competency is to know what to swing at. And this is what goes to the first one is consistency. The second one is knowing what to swing at or what to invest in. And obviously, we're using the analogy of baseball, really where to spend your time, right? And the minute you get outside of this zone, this circle, you start to diminish the probability that the outcome that you're expecting is going to occur. Um, sometimes in life, you're forced to swing bottom, you know, low left, and you just want to know the probabilities of doing that. However, um, in baseball, you are because you could throw a in the strike zone and you have to swing at it and you, you maybe you have to get out. But in business, like Warren Buffett talks about, he goes, I don't have to swing. I thought that was really important because I don't have to swing at every single pitch. I can look at thousands of pitches before I swing at one. And he said, and, he, and Warren goes on to say that, hey, anything that's in my core competency zone, I study I master because that's what I've been reading eight to nine hours every single day. I'm looking at this and anything outside of that circle, I just ignore. And those were his words, like just ignores it. Imagine being Warren Buffett of like, you think about having a lead generation machine. How many businesses, right? Do you think are approaching Warren Buffett to invest into, right? I mean, I bet there's, I don't actually know, but hundreds every single day that people want to do this. And he's probably quickly has this little, little, you know, re- mechanism to determine if are they in this core competency zone. And people talked a lot about how he didn't invest in technology for a while. And he's, you know, made comments about that. That's not in my strength zone, right? That's not in my core competency, another word for strength zone, right? And so he's kind of moved, he, you know, he's, he stays in a zone he knows what to invest in, um, which is for him, it's decentralized management. Berkshire Hathaway is this ma- major holding company that then invests into other companies. And essentially, as long as they behave with the ethics and the principles that, Warm- that Berkshire Hathaway has, he essentially allows the companies to run by themselves. That's kind of his philosophy for what it is. So the company has to be standing on its own for him to be able to invest into. But what is you, what, what do you need to be consistent on? Where is your strength zone? By the way, if you don't know it, start measuring it. And so that's really kind of brings it back to how do you measure your strength zone? If Ted Williams didn't have the ability to track every single pitch, he wouldn't know what his strength zones. 
The other, so there's two issues with most of us who are running organizations and businesses or divisions or as, a, as an entrepreneur or as an employee in a company is that we don't necessarily know where we need to be spending our time. And as we know, what makes organizations more effective is how everybody in the organization is spending their time and what they're focused on. And so the more you can track using numbers to guide you with the highest probability of what makes the most sense, the more time that you can spend in there. Um, so when you're there, the, so that's the first thing is that you got to under, start understanding what it is that you want to track. The second thing is, is and, and the problem that comes up with most people is they want this massive circle. They want it like to be like the size of like the earth, meaning that they want their core competence to be everywhere. And the problem is in the beginning, you can't. When you're Warren Buffett and you've got you know, 40, 70 other companies that are there and you've got $250 billion in cash, maybe you can go out, you, know, you stay in your strength zone, but you can have different companies. In the beginning, stop trying to make a bigger strength zone. Start actually focusing on making that smaller so then you can go larger. I think in the beginning, people are swinging at low left or swinging in the right. They're just taking anything they can to try to get on the board, to try to get on the scorecard. And what ends up doing is they end up wasting time because they get out and then they have to wait another three innings to get up and swing again. Whereas if you just hold out a little bit and recognize where your strength zone is, the right pitch will come along. You know, it's really fascinating. As of um, as of this podcast, Warren Buffett really hasn't invested into a major company. There's been some smaller acquisitions within other companies, but Berkshire Hathaway itself actually hasn't invested into another company in the last 24 months. And Berkshire Hathaway is sitting on about $250 billion in cash. Think about that for a second. He's got a little money to play with, right? And he's not doing it. So think about how many companies are coming to him every day in the last two years with somebody sitting on that type of, of liquidity is not investing in the companies. It's just a, a remarkable sign of being disciplined enough to make sure that you are swinging in your core competency zone and the right deals haven't come up. Not that there hasn't been deals that have made sense, just the right ones with the right returns he's looking for haven't come across the plate. So just like anything else, just like you can wait for a lot of balls to come through there. You have to look at a lot of pitches. You know, it, I, I was just sharing this the other day, and this is a little off topic, but I was just sharing this the other day to somebody who said, where, where do I start? Actually, the phone call yesterday, the guy, he said, where do I start in real estate? I said, well, the problem is in, in real estate is people are scared to invest in real estate because they don't understand real estate. I said, what is something that you buy every week? He goes, peanut butter. I said, great. So I said, how much is the peanut butter? And he's like, $5, right? And whatever it is, $5. I said, well, okay, when you walk into the supermarket and you bought peanut butter for the last 10 years and you know it's $5, when you walk in there and it's $3, you know it's a good deal. If I walk in there and I haven't bought any, it could be $7.99. They could say it's on sale. And I said, great, I'm getting a good deal. I don't know because I don't buy it every day. So um, basically what I told him is that he just needs to jump in and learn what his strength zone is, learn what, learn what a lot of pitches look like to understand where the deals are. And so in the same thing in business when we're doing this is you have to equate this to where do you spend your time so you know what to invest your energy into, not necessarily your capital, but your energy from the organization. So it's consistency. And then that's, that's layered by um, understanding what your strength zone is so that you can, you can stay within there. And the other thing is that if you start, if there's no boundaries to your strength zone, then you have no strength zone, right? I think people need to understand that. But what if somebody doesn't know what their, how do they determine what their strength zone is? Is that where um, modeling comes in? You start looking, you start modeling after Warren Buffett, if that's the type of thing that you want to do, or you start modeling after somebody who understands real estate investing and study what they do. And then that's how you figure out what you need to be consistent on. Yeah. Yeah. And for going back to that, that's a great example. Going back to that, 
that individual yesterday, I said, go find an agent in your area, a real estate agent who's doing a lot of investment deals or go find an investor and figure out how to get in relationship with them so you can model after what they're doing and learn from what it is that they're doing. So if you don't know what you need to look for, I think, I think the majority of businesses just aren't tracking numbers, right? And that goes back to um, you have to track what it is that you're looking for to actually get. Um, and if you don't know what that is, then just start looking where people are spending their time, where you're spending your time. This goes back to the Pareto principle and all those different things that we've talked about before. But I think if you can go model other people to find out what it is that you are, you'll kind of hone in your own answers. But do you need to be careful who you model after? Yeah, I think you do. And I think um, this is a, there's, if you haven't read the book, um, it's actually uh, by a guy named Adi Shanti. Uh, he wrote um, The Most Important Thing. There's volume one and volume two, and there's a lot of literature out there that are free if you want to check him out. I, I love following him. Um, but he, he has this quote in the, in the first episode of volume one where he says this. He says, ingesting other people's answers is safe. It doesn't really challenge us all that much. It doesn't force us to dig deep within ourselves. It doesn't force us to find our own revelation. It just provides a ready-made answer. Even if that answer is about as close as words can come to providing an answer, it's still not yours until you actually perceive it and experience it. It's still not yours. It's somebody else's. It doesn't belong to you until you experience it for yourself, until you know whether it's true or false for yourself. You know, when I hear that quote, this is where modeling is really important, but this is where you have to actually experience something for yourself. Right. Modeling is a great place to start. Exactly. It's, it's not where you should end up. Yeah. And it's, it reminds me of when I, whenever time I read that, the first thing that, that I thought about was like Bruce Lee, who, you know, a lot of people don't know about Bruce Lee. He studied karate ever since he was just old enough to walk. And then one day when he was like 12 or 13, I don't know, you can Google check it, but somewhere around that age where he actually got like his ass kicked on the street. And he realized that everything he did in karate actually didn't prepare him for fighting. And so what he did is he took that drive after he got um, into a fight and lost. He uh, went and started modeling all these other different types of martial arts from Muay Thai to boxing to, you know, the old samurai, you know, individuals to just every type of martial arts to BJJ to all these different things that were out there. And what he did is he took the best of what made sense for him right? And took all of those pieces out and formulated martial arts, essentially, right? Formulated his new era of what um, he wanted to bring to that world. And I think that's really, it's kind of a really neat thing to think about is he just didn't take people's word for it, or in, he didn't really take the, the, um, the, uh, the, what people were describing to him, he went and actually studied it and actually modeled it and did it and then took what made sense to him and brought it into his world, right? So I think that's really important when you hear Adi Shanti talk about this. It's, it's you know, it's it's the old, you know, I've heard this a bunch and I don't know if I've shared it here, but it's like, you know, when people, um, when you read a menu, you can read about your meal. And that's how most people are living their lives is they read about it or hear about it in a meal or on a menu. But Reading about a menu does not taste the same as tasting it and experiencing it, right? There's two different things. When you read about it on a menu, 
you don't actually experience it until you eat it. So a lot of people, although, are basing their decisions on what they've read in a menu and they're deciding whether or not they like it or not instead of actually experiencing the meal itself. It's like you can't describe water to somebody who's thirsty, right? I mean, the person has to drink it and actually order to be to quench their thirst. This is the same thing when we look at this. Is so when I, when you when you bring this back to what do I want my strength core competency to be is modeling and then experience. And then as you model and experience, you bring this back to start honing in your circle. It's like if Ted Williams just went up there and swung one pitch, he wouldn't know whether or not where his strike zone was. In fact, he's had to look at thousands and thousands and thousands of pitches to understand what this, what it, it, by experiencing a strikeout, by experiencing a hit, by experiencing home runs, by experiencing, you know, swinging at balls up and tracking all of it to understand through experience, right, where his strength zone was. So I want you to think about what do you need to experience? What do you need to model and start bringing back in there to start honing your strength zone, right? People call this like failing forward. They call it, you know, the growth of a business. All of these things that you're doing while you're growing is to develop a new support system around your strength zone. Actually, I had an email come through from um, one of my mentors yesterday who's working extremely hard. And what he says, he goes, I get it. I'm fine to do this. I can see the end in sight because what I've been doing is finding, essentially, I'm just adding my own words to this now. He's, I'm finding my new strength zone and then I'm building a support system around it so it doesn't happen again. And I thought that was really critical to think about is that as you, as you fail forward in business, you want to develop more consistency on your strength zone. And I think that's what Warren Buffett has done so well. Remember, he went through a lot in the beginning of his, at 12, 13 years old, he was building businesses to develop and track that data of where he invested, he had the greatest returns. Same thing for you. Where are you investing your, your energy? Where are you investing your, team ener- your team's energy? And then are you just taking it as the menu or are you actually eating the meal? Are you actually experiencing it? Because once you experience it, that's that kind of fail forward. And you know, I love people who say, I want to fail forward, but then when they actually fail forward, they don't love it, right? They, they then go, you know, I like this whole fail forward thing, but I didn't really feel like I was going to feel this. Well, great. It should feel like that. It should make you uncomfortable because that's the whole point of then when, when Ted Williams struck out, that wasn't cool. That wasn't amazing, right? Experience for him. It was an experience to help him to figure out what his strength zone was. So if you kind of look at this, um, and, and as like a full circle, it's the first thing you need to do is consistency. That's number one. But then you have to understand what do you be consistent about, which then goes back to experiencing, modeling, experiencing, modeling. It's kind of like this constant fail forward. But every time you're strengthening your support system, which is what your employees are concentrating on, what you are concentrating on, what you're investing into, so that you're not actually increasing your strength zone, you're actually decreasing it until you final, until you realize that, hey, if I swing at this pitch or this business idea or this concept or this area, I'm going to swing 900. And then the cool thing is it becomes this really neat freedom because then you could ignore everything else. And that's, that's, you should hear that. I'm just going to repeat that. Like Once you understand your, your strength zone so that you know the highest probability you're going to hit 800 when you're swinging here, why wouldn't you spend your time there? Well, the, the reason why is because you have to master the boredom of success. Because when you're swinging 800, it's not like every day one of those things is going to show up. Again, I use the example of Warren Buffett. Two years, he hasn't invested into one of them because I haven't seen it. And you know how many deals he's probably seen. So just think about that when you're, when, you're, when you're saying yes to these things because you think it's going to get you ahead. It's really not. You're striking out or you're hitting 200. Or maybe you do make a little bit of money off it, but not as much money as you could have made if you invested and made a decision to wait 
right? And then swung in your strength zone. You know, I was on a, a trip, a personal trip uh, last week, and uh, one of my friends couldn't come. It's the first time they couldn't come. And he literally, the whole time he was texting me, he goes, man, I have this major FOMO, like fear of missing out, fear of missing out. And we just kind of were joking around about it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, think about we, how we do this in business. Like, you have this fear because you see an opportunity, this fear of missing out. Well, obviously, it's a personal trip, but like he was like, I have this major fear of missing out. He was, he was before we were done a trip, he's like, What's the dates for next year? When are we going to do this? And so he didn't want to miss that opportunity to do it. And certainly, it's a lot of fun. But I think we all have this kind of this fear of missing out if we don't swing. Well, having and mastering the boredom of success is knowing when to swing and when to execute. It's being in the right position for it. Instead of just swinging constantly, you are in, in wildly using your time to say yes to everything. You're bringing it back to a smaller zone. And as you bring it back to a smaller zone, you know what to swing at and, you, and then you generate systems that produce more opportunities that are within that strength zone, right? It's being more proud of the things that you say no to yes. than the things that you say yes yeah. to. Which is a quote from Warren, right? And it's actually when I was just listening today and in in this morning, Ben Horowitz's new book, and he talked about Steve Jobs. And actually, he kind of gave some insight when Steve Jobs came back in there because he was involved in that somehow. The, the, he had, Steve, uh, Apple had less than 90 days of cash left, right? We kind of knew that. But what I, I didn't really pick up on was that when Steve came in there, he had an all hands on deck meeting in like the first week and he had to change his entire culture. And the culture was all about as many products as we can get out, right? It's like this. So basically, he had this massive like thinking that he had this massive strike zone, but they were striking out. They were losing over a billion dollars a year. That's not winning, right? Um, and they went from when Steve left in 1985, they had almost 14% market share. When Steve came back, they had less, they were right around 3%. So they've been declining ever since, right? And Steve walked in there and he goes, you know what our problem is? And he listened to everybody, he goes, it's products. He goes, there's too many of them. There's way too many products. The Apple at the time, I didn't realize that there was like in handheld phones, was in like or, uh, handheld computers, was in like printers, was in like fax machines. I, yeah, I didn't know that either. Like there's all these different products that like they think they're going to do this stuff. And he's like, get rid of all of them. That's not us. That's not our strength zone. And what did he come back with? He came back with like 10 items. And then ultimately within like a 30-day, 45-day period, they picked one, one product, which was the iTunes, right? The iTunes, the Apple iPod. And that launched Apple. If, that, if the, he hadn't done that, Apple probably wouldn't be here today. And it was design of, that, of understanding where the strength was of what got Apple to get that near 14% market share of having a really intense focus on what to swing at. And when I say swing, just defining that, I just want like swing means to me, it's like, where do I put my employee's energy? Where do I put my capital? What where do, do I put say my yes? time? Yeah, what, what do you say, say yes to? to? Yeah. And so he could instantly was able to just stop and get rid of all the other activities that were there, right? To do it. Now, one of the things that I think is is really important as so hopefully that explains it, right? That defines, does that make sense? They define like when I say swing at it, it's really all of those things that what to say yes to, what to say no to, where to invest capital, where to put your time, where to put your employees' time. And if you're not monitoring this in some way, like in one of the podcasts, we talk about making sure you have numbers to look at every day. And that's part of what this is. Like, and, and so if you're looking at this every day, you should know when something goes off and you're probably swinging outside of your strength zone. What do you feel is you, like is your strength zone and, and or where or what should be the strength zone of entrepreneurs and business leaders? Well, I think um, it depends on the size of your company for one, but ultimately I feel my strength zone is making sure everyone else is in their strength zone. I mean, essentially, that's my job. I wake up every day to make sure that the people that are leaders in my organization are focused on the right things by setting vision, right? Providing clarity and removing roadblocks. 
You know, I'll go back to too as well. We talked about that quote about ingesting other people's answers. And I think part of the reason why we talked about fear of missing out, ingesting other people's answers about Adi Shanti, people don't master the boredom of success or that consistency, which can be really boring, right? I mean, that's part of it is the consistency is boring. Reading eight to nine hours a day of cash flow statements at the same companies can be really boring. Riding on your bike for- yes. However many hours you had on your bike for, it's probably boring. Yeah, it sucks. People think that I love exercising, but the reality is I don't. I love the benefits of what it gives to me, but I don't wake up every day. Like actually my coach, my my physical coach, I actually had this this, 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 this kind of uh, realization this morning when I was thinking about this, was the guy actually loves to exercise. Like he like he actually that's like his life and he does that, which is awesome. But I realized like that's not me. Well, that's, that's why he built a career around it and you ex- didn't <laughs> exactly. But I was like, because I've kind of struggled with that. I'm like, man, like this guy like just lo- like it's just his world. Like, he loves being outside. I'm like, for me, it's like how fast can I get this done? Right. And it's more about getting it done because I like the benefit of what it gives to me, not like this whole world around physical sports and all this stuff. It's the I feel good. I also can listen a bunch because if I'm not riding my bike or running, I don't find as much time to actually listen to podcasts and and to grab and to grab information and be able to to synthesize it to our employees, to myself, and to people listening to this podcast, all that stuff, right? Um, so there's a whole bunch of other reasons why I actually end up doing it, um, but not because of the joy of the, of joy the of like Just doing all this wonderful things and making your whole day around it. And I'm like, that's just, like, it's actually like a struggle for me sometimes to go out there. And I'm, I kind of fought that for a little while. Then I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I don't know why I'm playing this. Like, I just, I enjoy what I enjoy. And, and so again, I think we, you have to, you have to understand that. But you're consistent with it. But I'm consistent with it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of saying that, right? Uh, thanks for bringing that back, right? So it's the consistency with that so that I can kind of keep pushing forward. And, and you're probably going through, and hopefully I think that makes sense for a lot of people who, who exercise, who haven't made everything about it exercising uh, or business building. It's about that consistency every day and mastering that boredom when everything else is saying, you don't need to do this, right? And I think that's that's part of it. Because it's not necessarily about the activity as much as it is about the end result. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly right. And people could say, well, enjoy the journey, which I enjoy, <laughs> right? It's one of those things where I enjoy the pushing through of the set of the session that we're going through, but I don't wake up and make it my life. Um, I just think because if a listener is listening to that and they hear like, oh, it's all about the journey. I agree. It is, right? It's about the, the part of it is part of the journey is to say yes to what you need to be saying yes to mm-hmm. so you can stay consistent for what it is that you're going up in there. Um, but when you when you think about this in terms of, and you asked the question like where my strength zone is, is it's also the more that we can experience, the more... Um, deep experiences that we have that we can bring back to our organization. I also think that if you want to overcome that fear of missing out, if you want to overcome the, the, that, that desire that's kind of inside you that feels like you need to swing at everything, um, it's part of going back to everything we've talked about, right? Is letting go. Right, it's the instant you feel this. It, it's basically somebody else is saying, like, "Oh my god, I'm in fear of missing out." That's not you going. Let me think about this for a second. Like, I don't mean think like in your mind. I mean like deeply. Like that's you're being pushed to be there. That's your ego talking. By the way, when you're getting to that point, when it's like I'm fear of missing out. That's when you make irrational decisions, right? That's when you when you have that type of emotion. If you're leading a company from that place of like I'm fear of missing out, like you're now whipsawing your employees. Let's go over here. Let's go over there, right? And you're throwing stuff against the wall, and hopefully that it sticks. Instead of centering yourself, coming back to, you know, your spiritual work and your in your practice that you're doing of letting go. And then making the decision as to where it is to go. I'll tell you one thing that Warren, um, when you listen to him, he doesn't really 
like come across me like, I'm just going to make all these decisions because I'm just going to go for it, right? I mean, in fact, the guy lived on 1% of his entire income and gave 99% of it away. And like he said, he goes, it has no utilitarian value to me. It was just this, how much can I grow? This compound interest and all these different things of staying consistent with it. So I think part of it is if you're, what's one of the first kind of steps that you would do? Um, it's the things that we've been talking about. It's first, when you when you feel instantly that that ability that says, I need to go do this really quickly because somebody else is doing it and it's over there and, I, and, it's, and, it's, and you haven't measured it or doing any of those things, pause, right? Just breathe through that, let it go. And if it keeps showing up day after day for a couple of weeks, then maybe you need to look at it or you just need to, and that's also why I love having a chief of staff, Hallie, right? Who then goes, because I come up with these ideas too and I throw them Hallie, I'm like this and then nine out of 10 of them, she just kind of deletes and they never show back up again because they haven't really found that strength zone for what it needs to happen there. And or it's if, not in alignment overall exactly. with you know, what we're doing or exactly. where we're going. Or where we're going. Or, or frankly, you have to also realize just the energy of everybody else. Absolutely. So sure, maybe it doesn't affect you that much, but then if everyone has got to go do that, they got to stop doing something, right? right? Which then derails everything instead of being able to actually provide that consistency, right? That you need over time. I think with entrepreneurs, business leaders, just those high achievers in general, um, there's never a lack of ideas. Never. (laughs) Or there's never, you know, there's never a lack of the next great opportunity or the new content you can produce or all of, you know, the ideas are everywhere. I think the challenge for us and the challenge for anybody is just saying no and staying really, really consistent on those core, core competencies or your core business model or you know, your core product. Yeah. You know, I was in a mastermind group with about 50 people and, a, and the a billionaire was leading this. And he said, you know what the, you know what the really cool thing is? And he goes, I bet if we sat here for the next two hours, we could come up with an absolutely amazing idea that would just revolutionize everything. But see, you know what the scary thing is? 90% of you go out there and actually try to do it. And his whole point was- 90% of people would- Actually go out there and try to do it. Basically taking everything of everything you've gone to now with this new idea and going out there and trying to do it instead of staying in your core zone of what it is that you need to do. Like thinking about an idea that has nothing to do with what you actually know, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like swinging at like below the strike zone every time, right? Because now there's an opportunity that you can hit a home run there, right? And you came up with this idea. And I've never forgotten that conversation because he's like, the scary thing is that you guys will actually go out there and try to do it. You're basically saying, no matter everything you've been worked on, all the consistency, all the things you've been doing, there's all successful people in there, you'd stop for some idea to go chase over here. And he goes, that's just, that's, it, you can, the only way you can do that is if you go then take somebody else that's not doing anything that you're doing now and hire them and go put them to go do that. Um, otherwise you're taking all of your team to put your energy over there and nine out of 10 times, that's not the place to do it because you already have them working over there. So I think this is all of this is just another kind of hopefully way of just drilling home this point of number one, use Warren Buffett as the greatest investor of all time. Stay consistent, stay consistent in what you're doing. Master that boredom of success. I understand it's not going to be as creative in every day you can do this. You know, in the book Grit, they talk about how it's not about working, you know, 60, 70 hours in a week. It's about working 67 hour, 60 to 70 hours a week on one thing, mm-hmm. right? And I always took that line out of there because again, all pointing to what? Consistency, Consistency. right? And then the second part is, is, understanding where your consistency is, which means modeling, which means experiencing, which means tracking, which means know your numbers, watch what, watch what is actually getting the result done. And then having a very clear vision if you're the one that's doing it. And if you're not the visionary, then making sure the visionary has a very clear vision so they know what everything 
that they're investing into and where the energy of the entire team is going. And, and as a way of doing all of this from the onset is as you approach each day, approach it from a center position, let go of this fear that you think you're going to miss out, let go of this fear of somebody else getting ahead of you because there's another idea that's out there or taking your entire team from there. So it's just, if you look at where to start, it's those three things. It's it, really, I would put number one is just make sure that you center yourself before you go into any of this, because otherwise you're going to be reacting from a different place that's not going to actually help you. Um, number two is the consistency. Number three is knowing what to be consistent on. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening in. Hey, just want to let you know about an upcoming totally free webinar that I'm super excited to be hosting called Unleash Joy at Work. It's on January 30th. And look, I'm going to be talking about what it truly means to experience joy at work every day. How do you get it? What is it? How do you experience it? How do you put it in the play every day? Just super excited to jump into what this means for you every single day. You can sign up at adamhergenrother.com slash webinars. And while you're there, please make sure to check out the rest of our 2020 webinar lineup. Myself, our leadership team, and our Adam Hergenrother training coaches have over 25 upcoming webinar and trainings for you. If you're looking to move forward with your business and personal growth, then definitely want to check out these webinars. So head on over to adamhergenrother.com. That's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R. And look, I can't wait to connect with you there. Thanks so much.